What a joy it is to get together and go through the Bible. I love preaching verse by verse through the Bible. And today we're in the 14th chapter of Matthew. This is where John the Baptist loses his head. It's kind of a gruesome sight, but it's a wonderful lesson, amen, that we're in the business of preaching the gospel no matter what it costs us, amen. And um, we just thank the Lord for the fact that the gospel is rich and powerful, and we can preach as bold as we'd like because we're going to live on the other side, amen. 14th chapter of Matthew, the first 12 verses. I know some of you were standing just a moment ago, but please stand again. Hopefully you can stay awake a little longer this way. And stretch your legs, amen. Verse 1, at that time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. And John said unto him, it is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he had, and when he would have put him, that is Herod put John the Baptist to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given, unto, given her. And he sent and beheaded John in prison. And his head was brought in a charger, given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took up the body, buried it, and went and told Jesus." I want to use for a subject this morning, John's boldness and Herod's mistake. You may be seated. John the Baptist's boldness and Herod's mistake. When you look at this scripture and you see that Herod, and there's several Herods in the Bible, and Herod the Great was the one that tried to kill baby Jesus, in the beginning of the scriptures at the birth of Christ. Herod the Great was the one that built and contributed to the temple in, in Jerusalem. Herod the Great had many children, but he had four sons that he favored. And upon Herod the Great, and by the way, he called himself the Great. There's something wrong with people when they stand up, I am the Great. But that was Herod. He called himself the Great. But anyway, uh, Herod the Great, if you say so, Herod, had four sons that he really was affectionate toward. And where it says in verse 1, 
that Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus. You say, well, what is a Tetrarch? Well, a Tetrarch is a ruler over a fourth of a kingdom. So King Herod divided his kingdom, his authority reign, divided up in force to his four sons. This Herod is Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas lived or actually reigned for 42 years. He was the one that took charge after Jesus left Egypt and came back to Nazareth. He was the same Herod that, of course, here in the Scriptures, beheaded John the Baptist. The same Herod that consented to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The same Herod that threatened the apostles in Acts chapter 4 and 5 to not preach the gospel. The same Herod that was involved in the stoning, or actually the Jews did the stoning of Stephen, but you get the the picture. He had 42 years of horrific, terrifying reign. And during that reign, John the Baptist was killed, Jesus was crucified, and... um, there, you know, James was killed in uh, the first apostle martyr of the church, not the first. The first was Stephen, but the first apostle, James. So this is Herod Antipas. And it's important that you understand kind of the, the surroundings of this because Herod was, honestly, Herod was pretty much a coward. He was a coward. And um, I, I, I want to first, first of all talk about John the Baptist because Herod's not really worth talking a whole lot about, but we're going to talk about John the Baptist. And my question would be, John, why did you have to say that? Well, what did John say? John said in verse 4 and in Mark chapter 6, verse 18, Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. Well, John, why did you have to say that? That cost him his head. Herodias was, of course, the one that Herod Antipas took away from Philip. Herodias was a wicked person, very wicked. And she got a grudge against John the Baptist for what John the Baptist said. Now, listen, there's only one thing worse than a man having a grudge, and that's a woman having a grudge. It just intensifies greatly. Because men, you know, they'll just have a hissy right in front of you. The women will say, I'll get you down the road. And that's what Herodias did. She got John down the road. John the Baptist, um, he's in prison. Herod puts him in prison because of what he preached. In fact, what John the Baptist preached, and and the Scripture says that when they came to John when he was in his fiery ministry on Jordan, in fact, John must have been an incredible preacher, John the Baptist, because the people would wade out into Jordan and they would confess their sins in Jordan. Now, that takes quite a preacher. And then after they confessed their sins in Jordan, John the Baptist goes, put them under, and raise them up. The first message of John the Baptist was, repent. The first message of Jesus was, repent. 
The first message of Peter was repent. The first message of Paul was repent. And the first message that I've got today is repent. You say, well, I don't know what repent means, guess. Take a shot at it. Amen? So that's an old archaic word. Yeah, and your sin's archaic too. Been around a long time. But John the Baptist, you know, I guess I would have to ask the question, why did you say what you said? Why didn't you kind of stay silent in that issue? Because the gospel should never be silent. Gospel means good news. But you can only know the good news till you know the bad news. And the bad news is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The bad news is, Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. The bad news is sin. The bad news is transgression. The bad news is separation from God. The bad news is you're going to hell without a turnaround to the blood, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's the bad news. But the good news is Jesus Christ is your turnaround. Jesus Christ is your deliverance. Jesus Christ is your forgiveness. Jesus Christ is your Savior. Jesus Christ took your hell, took your death, took your shame, took your sin. That's the good news. And he buried in a tomb, rose again from the grave. And today Jesus lives, and that's the good news. Our God's alive. He's not a dead God. Jesus is a resurrected Son of God. And that's the good news. But that news wouldn't mean a thing until you heard first the bad news. And John gave Herod the bad news. In fact, it's very important that we understand that if you read the sixth chapter of Mark, you'll discover that Herod thought John was a cute preacher. He thought John was pretty cool. He listened to John. He enjoyed listening to John. I can just see Herod rolling up in his chariot at Jordan River. Listen to John. See, Herod saying, hit me. That's good. Tell him like it is, preacher. Woo, I love a preacher that sets it straight. Till one day, John wheels his finger around, and it is big as a cannonball, as big as a cannon barrel. And he points it at Herod and said, Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. Whoa. John, why'd you have to say that? Because the gospel's not silent. Because it's important that we preach the truth. Amen? Remember, it said they asked John who he was. Are you the prophet? Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? And John says, I'm none, none of those. They said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And everybody in this room ought to be the voice of one crying against sin in the wilderness. Everyone in this room ought to be the voice of one crying the love of God, the power of God, the gospel of God. And so John the Baptist is preaching in Jordan. And more, they come out to hear him by the thousands. They crowd the Jordan banks, and Herod comes to listen. In fact, the Bible is very clear that Herod rejoiced in the preaching of John the Baptist. 
And I want to begin by simply saying that Jesus said that John the Baptist in, in John 5.35 was a burning and shining light and that ye were willing for a season to rejoice in that light. Herod was willing for a season to rejoice in that light. Jesus Christ said John was a burning and shining light. Most Christians just want to shine. They don't want to burn. See, the shining is a product of the burning. And until you're burning for Jesus in your heart, until you're burning with passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ, until you're burning with the conviction of the Holy Ghost, until you're burning with the message of God, until you're, until you're burning, the burning is the anointing, the shining is the afterglow. And there's many people that want to walk in the shining, but they don't want to do the burning. The burning's in the closet when you pour your heart out to God. The burning is at the altar when you repent of your sins. The burning is when you turn from your sins and transgression. The shining is the afterglow of the repenting. That brings me to this one little statement. And boy, it's a big one. People have seasons of religion. Herod had a season of religion. He go down and listen to John the Baptist preach. I believe he said, tell them like it is, preacher. Let them Pharisees have it, preacher. I can just see John preaching. His popularity is incredible. And they're coming out by the thousands. And one Jewish rabbi says to another, let's go down and listen to the John the Baptist. I heard he's a dynamic preacher. And another guy says, yeah, I'll, I'll take you down there because he really is a dynamic preacher. And I want to invite you down there. And so this guy invites two rabbis down there. And, and this all the way, the guy's telling how good John is and how wonderful a preacher he is. And those rabbis showed up and John said, who warned you to flee from the wrath of God that has come? You vipers. What a way to start a meeting. And I could just see them rabbis say, why did you bring us down here? The man's crazy. A world wants to consider a preacher crazy when it stands up and says things that will cause him to lose his head. Amen. And what John preached created an atmosphere in which he ended up in prison and later because of a deep resentment of Herodias, uh, Herod's stolen wife of Philip, wanted to get even. And so on Herod's birthday, she's waiting her time. I'll get you. She's waiting her time. It's Herod's birthday, so they got got all the dignitaries to show up. They're going to celebrate Herod's birthday. Herodias says, this is it. I got him. I got him. I got him. And so she says to her daughter, go in there and dance before Herod. Go in there and dance. Historians say her name was Salome. And it was probably a sexy, uh, seducive type of dance. And Herod 
was so pleased. Amen? And Herod says to her, I'll give you anything you want. Just tell me what it is, up to half of what I have. I'll give you whatever you want. And, of course, Herodias, her mother, says, we got him. They'd already talked about this. If he, if he asked what you want, tell him you want John the Baptist's head on a charger. Amen. Someone said, well, you can't dance through life and get ahead. Well, Salome did. But I don't make you want to go out and dance, does it? <laughs> if I dance, you'd want my head. But anyway, there's those that can dance, and then there's, there, there's those that, never mind. Amen. And so Salome dances before Herod. Herodias has decided she's going to get him. And Herod... I guess the question would be, Herod, why did you have to go and do that? Give me the head of John the Baptist on a charger. It made Herod sorrowful. I mean, Herod had him in prison. That's bad enough. But now John the Baptist has been in a dark prison for some say up to two years. And he doesn't even get out. They just carry the chopping block to the bottom of the prison. Just whack his head off in the darkness. Put his head on a charger. All I got to say is, you know, Herodias and Salome might have been pretty attractive women, but who wants a woman that would ooh over the beheading of somebody? Amen? Trust me, that's not the kind of woman you men want to marry. Hello? You talk about gruesome. They cut his head off put it on a charger and deliver it to Salome and she takes it to Herodias, her mother, says, here it is. And Herodias and Salome goes, ooh, we got him. And they carry it to Herod, to show Herod, here's the head. And I can just see John the Baptist, one last grunt, repent. I, I, preacher, that's so, you know, you're just being drama, dramatized. Listen, if you've ever killed chickens, you know that that's possible. Amen? I mean, how many ever run a chicken's neck? Anybody ever run a chicken's neck? You could ring it like this, snap it, that chicken goes out in the yard, hops around, you've still got that head in your, head in your hand, and you look at it, and the chicken's running around the yard, don't even know it's dead yet. You're holding the head, and it goes, wah, wah. And you go, man, I'm sorry. Well, that's the kind of sorry that Herod had. He was just sorry because he was a coward. He wouldn't have done it if he hadn't been filled with fear. Verse 5 says he feared the multitude, chapter 14 of Matthew. Verse 3 says he feared his wife. Verse 2 says he feared Jesus. Verse 9 says he feared his peers. And Mark chapter 6 says he feared John the Baptist. I think this is very interesting when we stop and consider 
Herod is dealing with a lot of guilt because he had the head of John the Baptist severed, and Herod is dealing with a lot of guilt. And shortly after Herod is beheaded, Jesus is doing miracle after miracle after miracle. The lame are leaping for joy. The blind are seeing. He's raising the dead. Jesus is just doing incredible things. And they would go to Jesus and say, are you, are you Elias? Uh, you know, the people would say, he's Elias, come back from the dead. He's John the Baptist, come back from the dead. He's one of the prophets. But John said, I know who he is. Herod said, I know, he, I know Mark chapter 6, verse 16. But Herod said, when he heard of Jesus, he said, it is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Notice John was filled with guilt and filled with remorse. Or not John, Herod was filled with guilt and filled with remorse. And Herod was fearful and afraid. And when he heard of everything Jesus Christ was doing in the miracle realm and touching lives, Herod was so superstitious, he thought, well, John had come back from the dead. And he tried to get Jesus to come and see him, but Jesus never came and seen him because Herod had built a city or a town, a village on Tiber Tiberias, uh, a city of Tiberias, and Tiberias was built on a cemetery, a graveyard. And so Jewish people never went to Tiberias because it was built on a graveyard. Well, I don't know if that's why John the Baptist didn't go there. I don't know if that's why Jesus didn't go there. But I know this, Herod did not get to see Jesus until it was time for him to decide, being a Galilean ruler, Herod was, to decide whether or not he would consent to the death of Jesus Christ. And when he saw Jesus Christ, he said, uh, show me a miracle. Show me your stuff. And Jesus didn't answer him a word. Let me tell you, friends, if you're trying to get God's attention by trying to challenge him to give you a sign, you're in the wrong business. Well, I'll believe in God if he'll make this happen or he makes that happen. You're in the wrong business. You're going to go to hell. You don't, you don't bribe God to do something that, and then you'll believe in him. You'll believe in him and then you'll believe everything he's ever done. You'll believe in him and he'll change your life. Amen. Hello. And I believe in Jesus and he changed my life. Now, notice John the Baptist is, uh, has been dead. Jesus hears of it. And Jesus goes out and he, he grieves. After all, John the Baptist was his cousin and a great prophet. And so Herod is stuck with this grief, this, this guilt complex. And every time he hears about Jesus' miracles, he thinks it's John the Baptist come back from the dead. Well, they did put John the Baptist in a tomb, but he stayed there. They put Jesus in a tomb, and he did not stay there. Hello. I'm so glad that when the disciples, the disciples of John the Baptist heard that he was dead, they came and got what was called it, the body, and buried it. Did you know you're living in an it? Your body's just an it. 
Every time I shave, I say, it's an it. I hate shaving. From the looks of you, some of you never do. But anyway, I hate shaving. Amen? I hate it when my wife says it's time for a shower. Oh, do I have to? I had one three weeks ago. No, it ain't that bad. Hello. But Herod was fearful. He was, and, and his fear was just. I mean, he should have been afraid. He killed the greatest prophet who ever lived. He should have been fearful. And, you know, when they talked about Jesus Christ possibly being the prophet, being a Elias, verse 16 of Mark 6, it says, Herod says, wait a minute, I know who this is. This is John that I beheaded. He's risen from the dead. He's going to get me. He's coming after me. Now, let me share something today that will help some of you immensely. First of all, your past only resurrects in your guilty mind. Your past only resurrects in your guilty mind or the memory of others. Your past will resurrect. Your job is to not let it resurrect in your mind and receive that blood of Jesus Christ that washes away every remembrance of sin. Now, you remember it, but, you, you know, the Bible says that we're washed with the blood of the Lamb and that stain of sin is removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so your job is to put your past behind you, let the flood blood of Jesus Christ wash over you, turn to Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, let Jesus Christ come into your life. Yes, your past is back there, but it will not resurrect unless you resurrect it in your mind. Well, Herod's past resurrected in his mind, and it tormented him. He killed John the Baptist. He murdered him. And that resurrected in the mind of Herod. And because that resurrected in the mind of Herod, it tormented him. And I want you to know that if you let your past before you were saved resurrect in your mind, it will torment you. Now, others can have memory of your past. That's not a big deal. Let them talk. But when you allow the memory, you've done something, and I guess the question would be, well, Harry, why did you have to go and do that? Anybody ever done something that you had to say to yourself, well, why did you do that? Huh? And I think everybody in this room would have that attitude. Well, why did you do that? Anybody ever did something in your life, you ask the question, well, why did I do that? Because you're stupid, that's why. I'm stupid, that's why I did. Say, so, well, you're not supposed to use the word stupid, and we don't let that word be used in our house, obviously. Well, we got to keep you in a political thing. We got to get everybody, you know, just, you know, we, we don't want to offend anybody. Well, I'm offended. I'm offended at the way people are living. Amen. We need to come out and address the good news of Jesus Christ. Man, in my generation, just in the last 20 years, they've came out of the closet. They keep coming out of the closet. I'm going in. I mean, they're having proud 
parades now. They're parading their colors. They're parading their weird stuff. They're, they're out there proud of what they are. It's time that we as Christians come out of our churches and be proud of what we are and be proud that we're blood washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and proud that Jesus Christ is coming again and proud of Jesus Christ and proud of the Bible. Oh, we need to get Bible proud. I said, we need to get Bible proud. We need to parade it around everywhere we go. But Herod's conscience was just plagued. Why did I have to do that? I believe John, I believe Herod said over and over again, why did I have to do that? Why did I do that? And you may be in this room right now asking your question, why did I do that? How many know that Jesus Christ and Kate take care of that that you have done. Jesus got to do that taken care of. Amen. Jesus will save and deliver and wash away all your guilty stains by his precious blood. But don't allow what you've done in the past. Don't allow something hideous that you've done to resurrect in your mind. Bury it. Put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Put it behind you. Put it far away from you. I want you to know Jesus Christ took it, nailed it to the tree, nailed it to the cross, went to there from Calvary to the tomb and buried it in the tomb. And we rise again in newness of life so that we put our past behind. No resurrection but the true and living Jesus Christ, the resurrected forgiveness of my soul, the resurrected power of my soul, the resurrected holiness of my soul, the resurrected future of my soul. I'm not going to let my past resurrect because to let your past resurrect, it will trouble your mind, it will trouble your soul, and it will plague you for the rest of your life. Amen. I, uh, I believe that John the Baptist was one of the most amazing characters in the Bible. He was so like Elijah that Jesus Christ said that if you will receive it, Elijah has already came. He was so much like Elijah that Jesus Christ said when he came down from Mount Transfiguration, if you'll receive it, the spirit of Elijah has come. Jesus, uh, John the Baptist preparing the way. Amen? And I know that Jesus prepared, uh, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, his first coming. And Elijah will prepare, will prepare the way of Jesus for his second coming. Amen? I'm sure who Jesus Christ is. James the writer of James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're a double-minded man, that just means you're twice as dumb. Amen. Now, I have to join with John. Why did I say that? Why did I, I get up and preach and I know that some of the things I preach will rub you like sandpaper? Why do I get up and preach the way I preach, knowing that some of them watching us on YouTube or television, live streaming will totally be appalled at what I say? Why? 
because the boldness that the Holy Ghost has put in me. John had a boldness. And that boldness that John had was the reason he said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, Herod Antipas, his great-grandfather, Herod the Great, or his grandfather, Herod the Great, liked to think, in fact, before Herod the Great was his Herod, 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 and before the father of Herod the Great actually went into Judaism, actually adopted the study of Judaism and considered that he was a Judaanite. I married a Judaanite. But anyway, but um, I shouldn't have said, it. well, I did. Why did I say that? Well, I said it. Anyway, um, Herod Antipas held on. He, li he liked to be called the king of the Jews. Herod the Great did, liked to be called the king of the Jews. That's when the wise men came and said, where is he born king of the Jews? He didn't like that, so he tried to kill Jesus. Well, Herod Antipas comes along later after the Herod the Great dies and his father's gone and Herod Antipas is in the region of Galilee. And so John the Baptist loses his head. And when you look at John, he told, he told uh, if you do a study on John's preaching, he was, his preaching basically was this, be fair, don't cheat, don't steal, don't defraud, don't, don't blaspheme, See, a lot of people think that all John preached was repent, kingdom of God is dead. And yes, he did preach that. But you've got to remember that he talked to those that were in authority. Don't you take advantage of the poor. Don't overweigh and overprice things. And he said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. Herodias. Now, why did John have to say that? He lost his head over it. Sometimes we lose a few people coming to the church when you say, you can't be shacked up and be right with God. I said, you can't be shacked up and be right with God. Well, it's just a piece of paper. Well, all them pieces of paper you got in your purse and in your pocket and your billfold, I'll take them. They're just a piece of paper. Well, it's just a piece of paper. Okay, I'll take the title to your house. It's just a piece of paper. No, it's not just a piece of paper. It's, being, it's called being right with God. Now, why do I have to say that? Because it's true. You can't be a good Christian, swig your whiskey, drink your beer, get drunk, smoke your dope, and have illicit sex or adultery and fornication and be right with God. You cannot be. Why did you say that? Because the boldness. And if there's one thing the church needs, it's some boldness. Amen? Boldness. And John had the boldness. And it cost him his head. But you know, the greatest lesson that you can ever learn from John the Baptist is right's right, wrong's wrong. And you can't compromise. Now, I realize John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet. He was the last prophet before Jesus crucified on the cross of Calvary. He was considered the last of the prophets. 
Someone says, well, why did Jesus let John the Baptist, his cousin, and the greatest prophet to ever live, why did Jesus let him die? Why, did he, why didn't he rescue him? Well, the answer is simple. All the Old Testament prophets were killed. Stoned, killed, martyred, beheaded. John was not going to be given any better treatment. And so John the Baptist loses his head. And I want you to know, Jesus turns that around and says, if you have me and you, they persecuted me, don't ever think they won't persecute you. Because you're not greater than your Lord. You're not greater than Jesus. They will persecute you. Part of the suffering of the church of Jesus Christ is being persecuted because we love Jesus. Amen? Now listen, we're in a Pentecostal church. And if I'm going to be persecuted, I don't want to be persecuted because I talk in tongues. I don't want to be persecuted because I believe in healing. I don't want to be persecuted because I believe in being slain in the Spirit. I don't want to be persecuted because I believe in dancing in the Spirit. I don't want to be persecuted because I'm a mir- I believe in miracles. If I'm going to be persecuted, I want to be persecuted because I love Jesus Christ. I believe what he says. He's the Son of God. That's why I want to be persecuted. If I'm going to be persecuted because I have an admiration for Jesus Christ, if I'm going to be persecuted because I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He is the way, the life, the truth, and no one goes to the Father but by Him. If I'm going to be persecuted, let it come because of Jesus, not not because of outward expressions that I do religiously. Amen. We used to have a guy that came to our church, and I mean, he was just the sweetest guy. I mean, a nice guy, and none of you fit that qualification. But anyway, this guy was so nice, and so, you know, he's complimentary. He never had an unkind word. He was just very soft. He was one of them guys that was just really nice. You know, when you thought about him, you were like, ah, 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 that nice. And one day, someone started telling lies about him. And I told him, I said, that's a lie, because I know the man. Well, I went and told the man, I said, you know, there's people telling things about you. He said, oh, that's good. That's good. I said, I ain't even told you what they're saying about you. He said, I don't care. He said, I ain't done nothing wrong. He said, if they're bad-mouthing me, they're doing it because I love Jesus. Well, I said, good. Since you love Jesus so much, I'll say a few things about you. But anyway, he just laughed. I wouldn't do that. But what a great God we serve. I don't think you need to defend your brothers and sisters in Christ. But I wouldn't let my hat drop to the floor before I defend my Jesus Christ. I'm going to defend my Jesus Christ. I walked in the convenience store and this guy was going, Jesus this and Jesus that and Jesus this. And I just had all I could stand. And I finally spoke up and said, sir, ask him what you want. You'd ask who what you I said, ask Jesus what you want. You've hollered for him five or six times. Jesus said, Jesus, Jesus. He, he said, oh. He says, you're one of them. 
I said, yes, I am. He said, well, you have a good day. And I said, I will. Amen? As I said before, I walked into little Casey's back years ago, and, and this guy got mad at me. He said, you go to hell. And I said, I can't. He said, what? I said, I can't. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm born again. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He died for me, rose again from the grave. I can't go to hell. He looked at me and stuttered around a little bit. He said, well, go to heaven then. I said, well, thank you. I will. It's time that we come out of our little religious box and be proud of Jesus. Amen. It's, you know, John the Baptist was bold. And he was bold because he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was bold because he was a forerunner of the return of Jesus or the coming of Jesus the first time. I mean, oh, Elijah, when he shows up, he's going to be bold before the coming of Jesus Christ. While you're sitting in this room, did you know you're living in the generation before the coming of Jesus Christ? There's one ingredient you need to have and I need to have. It's called boldness. It's not called rudeness. It's called boldness. Amen? And John the Baptist was bold. It cost him. It cost him. I had a guy I used to work with years ago at a, a factory, and he would always cry. He was, he was a, I'll not say what he was in religious title, but he was, he was very, very religious. And all he could talk about was what people wore. All he could talk about is how people looked. All he could talk about is what people did. And he just always bad-mouthing people. And then he, he came to work one day, and he's standing there beside me, and he's just crying. I said, what's the matter? He said, people won't talk to me. People are persecuting me. I said, well, how come? He said, because I'm just suffering for Jesus. And I said, you're not suffering for Jesus. You're suffering because you're a jerk. He wouldn't talk to me for a month. But, you know, he changed his spirit after that. Sometimes, you know, the wounds of a friend is needful. Amen. So I want to say to you right now, if you really want to be taken home, if you really want to go to heaven, you have got to turn from your past, and you've got to turn to your future, and your future is Jesus Christ. If you really want to go to heaven, you have to do something, and that is turn from your sin to Jesus Christ. Don't just turn from sin. That's not enough. That's religion for a season. Most people have religion for a season. They'll go for a while, and then they're gone. They like the preacher for a while, and then they don't like him. That, that's what Jesus said. John was a shining and burning light or a burning and shining light. And you, they were happy to, you know, Get in his way for a season. But you don't need to just get in it for a season. You need to get in it for a lifetime. Amen? And so hear me. It's not turning from sin that saves you. 
It's turning from sin to Jesus that saves you. Because when you turn from sin to Jesus, that's called repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you turn from sin to Jesus, that means you turn from your past, you turn from your sin, you turn around to Jesus, you run into his arms. Because repentance is grieving away from your sin. And you allow Jesus to come in, change your life, and give you a new life. To bury the past and enjoy the future in Jesus Christ. Stand with me. Y'all's going to come and bring a song. Hope you enjoyed today. We'll be in Matthew chapter 14 next Sunday morning. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this, John's boldness, Herod's mistake. And by the way, his mistake was more than a mistake. It was a sin. And it was a plaguing sin that would plague him for the rest of his life. It's important that we understand that only Jesus can take your past, crunch it, bury it, destroy it. And you're the only one that can resurrect your past plant it, nurture it, and destroy everything Jesus has done in your life. Don't let your past resurrect. Don't do it. There's enough people that will resurrect or out of the memory of your past talk about you. But that doesn't matter. It's you with Jesus. It's your relationship with Jesus is what counts. And it is what matters. So, have you been saved? Have you been born again? Have you allowed your past to resurrect? Let's get it buried again. If your past is resurrected, it's in your mind, let's get it buried again. Let's put it under the same place it goes, under the blood of Jesus. Let's put it under the same crucifixion, crucifixion of Jesus. Let's put it under the cover of Jesus Christ so that you can walk in the boldness of the Lord. Altars open, you come.